Acts chapter number 6, that's where we are. Last Sunday night, we gave our ordination message out of Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. So I will not cover that, although you do know, I want you to understand the context of what we're saying today. They were having a problem in the church. Church had gotten big, had gotten huge. I wonder what somebody said, I don't like big churches. Well, you didn't have a choice, one but one. So where are you going to go? Go start you one under a rock, I guess. But uh, they had 8,120 members. Now, it's no doubt they didn't all get to meet together. But if you could see how large the top of uh, the Mount Moriah is and how the platform that Herod had built up there, if you could see the height and the size and the width, you'd understand how hundreds and thousands of people would be, could be gathered together there. Uh, also on the sides of the hills, you could see them just natural bleachers as you got up north in the northern country and around Galilee. And so uh, Stephen uh, came out as a servant to serve the people that joined the church that were Grecians because the Grecians were murmuring. They, they, they were kind of griping about the fact that they were being left out. They were being, it was a bias against them. That the, that, the, uh, uh, that the Jews, the Hebrews, they got more favor uh, in distribution than the widows. The widows got what was left over. Well, they said, we've got to check this thing out. So they go check it out. Sure enough, it's true. The, the, they're not getting the food they need to get. And by the way, the only way that widows had to be taken care of was by other people if they had no family. Uh, the Bible gives us those instructions later on. But uh, these were faithful women. Women had worked hard for God, loved God, lived for Jesus. And now they're too old, don't have a husband, don't have a son. And the church is helping to, they're bringing stuff, laying at the apostles' feet, and they're putting it in the storehouse and bringing it out as they need it. It's a good way to do things. In America, we ought to figure that out. But that's what happened. And so the scriptures uh, tell us that they decided we better fix this thing up because if we go out here dealing with every one of these little old nitpicking problems, we won't ever get to study the Bible. Pastors spend most of their time with nitpickers. I'm serious, nitpicker. And the one you spend the most time with is the one who will leave you first. So you just have to understand that's the way it is. People are fickle, and they're going to continue to be fickle. They'll be that way till Jesus come. You say, can you stop it? Well, you can just stop talking to anybody. Because I tell you, you you'll think, man, this is really going to be a good one here. And in just a little while, they're off the hook and gone, you know. And so uh, these said, well, we better take care of these ladies. In a, they, they, they've taken care of other people over the years, so we don't take care of them. So they chose, the Bible said, seven men, all of them had Greek names. And that just simply meant that they were taking the bias away. It was no, uh, it would be today like someone that spoke a different language or even a different race was in our church and couldn't stop speak English. And we would head to somebody that ministered to them be the same thing. And so they decided to some, get, get someone of their own people. Uh, they would be people who had been Hellenized. That means they'd been uh, made to live like the Roman Empire. They were coming into the church and things were changing culturally for them. And so they had to figure out a way to solve this problem. So they 
Chose, they chose seven men. They can you, uh, you, you, you dig this one, gripe about something? Listen, they had 8,120 members and seven men to fix the troubles. Woo! If they had cell phones back then, you'd have died of, oh, you'd have had a heart attack the first week, wouldn't you? And never would have quit ringing. But uh, here they go out, do what they're supposed to do, see they got a problem, and no doubt there's a lot of other folks helping them do this, and they start to distribute uh, the, grain, the, the right amount of food to the people. So uh, when the word began to increase, when they started seeing a church that loved each other like that, I mean, man, this was something they was talking about Jesus and the only way they could love like that was with Jesus. And, and so they were, they were thrilled to see people who really loved each other, just didn't say it, but did it. And so the scripture said the word of God increased. They wanted to hear more. Give us more. And so every day, every day, they'd go, and they'd have to study the Word, and they'd have to teach the Word. That's why they said, we can't be out here trying to figure out who's getting enough food or not. We've got to be studying the Word to feed these thousands of people who's coming to hear it. And then notice what the, the, the Scripture says, that uh, the only reason they were chosen is so they could give their self to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's what God called them there to do, and they did not need to be burdened down with some little list of somebody's agenda. And so the deacons are given that uh, opportunity or privilege or blessing. In fact, Bible even commends a deacon, a deacon that serves well in that office. God said he honors them highly. One that doesn't, not so highly, but one who does, God honors them highly. Now, tonight, you're going to see some, uh, this morning, you're going to see somebody that you're going to really uh, like, and his name is Stephen. Stephen. Whose name's Stephen or Stephanos or um, uh, Steve? Let me raise your hand. How many Steves we got in here? I know we got one. I'm looking out. There he is. I didn't think you had the courage to raise your hand. Okay, I got one. All right. Not, not, most back in, you know, during the popular, during the baby boom, you know, everybody was named Mike. And I don't know where they all are. I guess they moved their membership. But anyway, we got no Mikes. We just got one Mike. <laughs> one Steve, I mean. So we got, we got a guy named Stephen here. And Stephen is um, unusual. Look at him. I think if any of us could pick a Christian to be like, at this point in the New Testament, who would it be? Be him, wouldn't it? He shows us more what Jesus is like than anybody else up to this point in the book of Acts. And look at Stephen. Now, Stephen comes from the word Stephanos. Stephanos. That means, Stephanos means a victor's crown for an accomplishment or a victory. Did you get that? A victor's crown for an accomplishment of a victory is they're awarded a Stephanos. That's what it is. It's the word used for the crowns or the rewards that we're going to get in heaven. The Stephanos is on our head. The Stephanos, when a man went to battle and he comes in dragging his captives and bringing his spoil, they put on him the wreath of Stephanos. And then when someone came into the ring as a mighty gladiator and he come out the victory, they placed on his head a Stephanos. And this man was named Stephanos. And so he becomes, I get this, write this down in your Bible. 
he becomes the first Christian martyr of the New Testament church. He's the first Christian martyr of the New Testament church. He died for his faith. First one we find. Now, there may have been some others, but this is the one recorded. The first one recorded in Scripture was right here. This man, Stephanos. You say, well, it don't look like things turned out too good for him. If you live for God, you, you get stoned. Well, Revelation 2, verse number 10, describes that we better be real careful not to let our suffering and our hurt pull us away from doing what God wants us to do because we could lose our Stephanos. We don't want to lose our Stephanos. We want to be able to keep our Stephanos. And so uh, we, there's a way to gain a Stephanos, and that's by suffering for Jesus. And he got that crown for that. Stephen becomes the first Christian martyr to die for his faith that's mentioned in the church. And so I believe one of these days that Stephanos will be rewarded with Stephanos, don't you? That's what's going to happen in his life. So let's look at number one with me, the spiritually mighty, the spiritually mighty. If there's one word that describes a man with an adjective, it is this word, Stephen I'm talking about, F-U-L-L, full. That adjective comes as close to describing him as any other word that's mentioned about Stephen in the Bible. Verse number three said he had to be full of the Holy Ghost. That means it seems he and Philip were amazing witnesses for Jesus. He was, sur he was surrendered to Christ. He was emptied of self, and he was continually controlled by God. He, he had a consciousness like Jesus. He had, he had that winsomeness like Jesus about him to where he, he, that people were attractive to the message that he had. So we see him full of the Holy Spirit. Number two, he was full of holy sense. Be nice if everybody had some sense, wouldn't it? Verse number three, you see what I'm talking about. Look, he is to be full of Holy Ghost and wisdom. Wisdom. Holy Ghost and wisdom. So he was to be full of holy sense. This is the wisdom that only comes from above. This is divine sense. There's a difference between carnal, pagan, human rationality than there is between heavenly wisdom. And he wants us to know that these deacons would come up against problems and they would come up against other problems who would not require a vote, who would not require somebody in the congregation to get them together a little group and tell them what to do, but would require some heavenly sense. Y'all got it? Heavenly sense. So he was to be full of wisdom. And that, that it carries with it the meaning of insight, a discerning mind. You can't serve God if, if you're airheaded. And I say that nicely. There are, there are airheaded people. There's just some folks don't see bad in nothing. I don't see good in nothing. But some, there's some folks don't see bad and nothing. And so here's what will happen. If it's their friend, if it's somebody in their life, if it's somebody close to them, they'll overlook what they know they shouldn't and just let it go and forget it 
and jump heavenly wisdom to get back to pagan flesh. Come on. Now, I'm telling you the truth. You see, God's deacons ought to have an insightful design about them that God gives them. When we lay hands on them, we're saying, God, we give them the authority that you have given us to lay our hands upon them, and from this day forward, they will have divine mentality. So then, look, wisdom has two important natures. I want you to notice this. Write these things down. Two, na- two important natures about wisdom. Number one is the knowledge of word of God applied. In other words, to know how to use God's word, not just know God's word. That's okay to memorize the verses. We should memorize the scripture. I thank God for those that God's let me memorize. I, I, I thank you as a, when you, the younger you are, the, the bigger sponge you ought to be in soaking up God's word. And I'm grateful for what I have memorized, and I'm ashamed of those I didn't. But it, not, this, this matter of wisdom here, one of the natures of it is, is that you take the word of God and you don't just read it. You don't just look at it but you apply it in the situation to where it goes. Okay? There's a, there's a second part of that nature of wisdom, and that is reason has to always be based on faith, not intellectual abilities. Are y'all hearing me? Not intellectual ability. It always has to be based on faith. Notice that the Scripture said that this, this man had to be full of faith. Full of faith. And so it's not intellectual ability. It's not educational status. Now, you don't need to be a raving maniac, but the truth of the matter is he's talking about somebody here that's not, that knows how to take the word of God and act on faith according to. In other words, how can a church ever have any vision and how can a church ever have any reason about it unless somebody can take this book, show them what God wants them to do tomorrow? That's what he's saying right here. It's what we tried to do over the years. And the devil will fight that to the very end. He didn't stop us for those five visions that we had years ago. And listen, to anything that's of his, the devil cannot win. Now, the devil can fight, and it may look like he's winning, but the devil won't win if it's of God. It just won't. And so he ought to be helpful of Uh, full of helpful strength. That's in verse number eight. Stephen performed wonders and miracles among the people which accredited his work from God. You see, when they would perform those miracles, people didn't go for a miracle. People went to hear about the Jesus that was alive. And they were hearing that, hearing that, hearing that, hearing that. And so the, the, the scripture says that they, they go down there and when he performs those miracles, when they do come, here somebody comes with cancer, here somebody comes and, 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 and they, they, they're a leper and here comes somebody blind, here comes somebody deaf and they're able to heal them. They say, why can't you heal them? Well, why can't you? Because God does not give that gift now. That was a gift given to the early church so that they would have confirmation that their word was true, that Jesus was alive. 
And so the apostles and a few others in the early church had that gift. And it passed off the scene when the apostles passed over the scene. By the way, there are no apostles today. When you see a church, it says they are the apostolic church. They are not an apostolic church because there are no apostles today. Revelation even says we tried them and they were not apostles. There's a test. And so the the scripture wants us to know that he was full of helpful strength. I mean, he had courage and convictions and character. He absolutely believed whatever God said, he could do it. He can do it. Look at the second thing. It's sinisterly mistreated. You've heard of sinister. That's what this is. It's sad to have to use that word in the church, the word sinister, but that is what happens when the devil decides to start stirring something up in a church. And I notice in the scriptures, you notice the Bible tells us they stirred stuff up. In verse number 12, and they stirred up the people. They like to stir. You know anybody like to stir? Oh, yeah, I've heard a few like to stir. They didn't even know I was listening. I heard them stirring. One of these days, I'll tell them. I I, I won't pick a place to where there's about 100 people when I tell them what they said. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that people can be sinister with their tongue. Oh, listen, they can gang up on you with the tongue, you know what? They can gang up on a Sunday school teacher or choir director or band, musicians. They can gang up on the brother and sister in Sunday school. They can gang up on the deacons, gang up on the staff. They can gang up on anybody. And that's what the devil likes to do is get him a little gang, you know, a little gang. And he starts making problems in the neighborhood, Right? And so they were sincerely mistreated. Um, They either loved him or hated him. That's how they felt about Stephen. Dr. Falwell used to always say, he said, I tell you, people feel about me one way. They either, when they see me coming, they either pucker up or they duck. Amen? One of the two. It ain't no in-between. It's either either go on or go back, but there's no in-between. And so the power of Christ enables us to do what we ought to and to be what we ought to no matter what people say we can't do. Did y'all get that? I can't say it again. All right, look. Look at this. What the Bible says they were disputing. Well, surely not. The Christians, they don't dispute. I just want to go to a church where there's no trouble. Well, what in the world? Did you take your brain out and put it in the refrigerator last night? Listen, there is no church. Listen, it is impossible to have a church there's not trouble in. But let me tell you something. If you're in a soul winning church, you go out and bring in people who has a lot of baggage. You've got to deal with that mess sometimes to get folks saved. You say, well, I don't want to do it. Well, is it worth it to see them cleaned up, washed up, justified, sanctified, glorified? Isn't it worth to see that than it is to get our hands a little dirty? And so we need to make sure that uh, when we dispute, we're careful. This disputing work just means to argue. They were arguing about some question or basically the, the phrase here in, in, in the in the Greek language, is phrased to mean 
that they was disputing through another. They had got someone else to speak for them, someone else to do their dirty work. Y'all know any snakes, slimes like that? Slimy snakes. They may not do it themselves, but they'll get it done. They'll see it's done. They'll drop a seed here and a seed here and a seed there. Next thing you know, they get their job done because they're a snake in the grass. They slither. So he says, they, so they get somebody to come in first. And who'd they get? They got the libertines. Now, now today, th- th- we have what was called libertarians. You know, we have a libertarian party. Not many of them in it, but we have a libertarian party. And so that day they had libertines. What a libertine was, was a Jew that had come, been captured, and they had taken him back to Rome. They had kept him long enough or her long enough that they had Hellenized them. In other words, they had caused them to have all the characteristics of Romans. They spoke Greek. They, they, they dressed like they did. They had culture like they did. That's all they'd known, many of them. They was born into that culture. And so that's the, who they got to go over, the group of libertines that had been freed themselves physically to come back and to help religiously deal with the common man. But what are they laying on them? Law. Legalistic junk. Stuff that can't save them, stuff that can't change them. They can't explain the Bible to them because they don't believe what's going to happen. Folks, listen, and I, I love for you to have an interest, but People all the time, and I got folks calling me from radio now. I get, got two or three right now on, on the hook. You don't want me. I, 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 I need your, your set of uh, tapes on Revelation, and they, they want to know about all these things that they would like to have on Re- Revelation. Listen, it'll mean a whole lot more to you if you will study it yourself and then ask somebody about the things you don't know. Okay, don't, don't go in, look what he says in verse 10, resisting everything you hear. Resisting all the wisdom. Resisting, stand against it, oppose it. Resist, that's what it means, we oppose it. They were not able to oppose the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. In other words, when you get filled with faith, when you get filled with knowledge, when you get filled with the spirit, the world can't handle it. They don't know how to take you. And that's what happened to him. And so the libertines was a resistance of, a resistor of the Lord Jesus, of course. But then look at their accusation in verse 11. And they, uh, that word really means uh, the fact that they subtly seduced. They subtly seduced some men which said, We have heard he speaks blasphemous words against Moses and against God. In other words, they told them just enough to stir them up. Stir them up. And so they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him. Now, this is Stephen now here by himself. All of them is coming against him. And he caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses. Imagine that. Somebody might even have took the Baptist church roll and went and visited somebody who hadn't been here in 10 years to get them come vote. Who knows? But the truth of the matter is, look what they did. They set up false lies. How that done to me? I, I, I can talk about it. I know. I know how it happens. I know how it works. And I know how 
they think when they want to hurt, tear something down or resist something that God's doing in the church. If God is doing something wonderful and saving people in the church, you ought not to be standing in the way. You ought to be going with them all the way. Uh, there were some folks that wasn't doing that, though. They are basically throwing them out because they didn't do what they wanted them to do. So look at the attack, verse 12. They'll never grab you. They just get this. Don't you understand this? Your enemies out there, especially when it comes to the faith, your enemies will never grab you till they've stirred up the people against you. Why? They don't have enough guts. And they won't face you off. And if they do, they won't face you off about Scripture because they don't know enough Scripture to do that. They just face you off physically. Well, when you're in my shape, my size, you know, I stand there and take a beating. Truth of the matter is, it's not going to change what I believe. You can beat me to a pulp, and I'm still going to believe Jesus saves. You ought to believe that too. Well, that's exactly what Stephen does. He believes it. And in fact, Jesus even referred to it in Luke 21, 15. He calls it gainsaying, which means to refute or to deny. Folks, you don't ever deny or refute Jesus Christ. Now, look, look, look what he says. Look at the attack. They jump on him. And you see that later on. You see it again in Acts 13, 50, Acts 14, verse 1 and 4. All through the book of Acts, you see God's people suffering. And yet, it grew more during that period of time than it's ever been in, in its history of the church. Suffering. Suffering. Suffering for their faith. And yet, we've had very little of that. We have had people, we, we are have people in parts of the world that does today, but um, you know very little about it personally. How awful when good people allow themselves to be used by Angry backsliders and hypocrites. That's exactly what the libertines did. They stirred the libertines up and they was used as people who hated Jesus. Don't let folks who hate Jesus cause you to disbelieve what God said. Don't let people who question Jesus cause you to disbelieve what God said. Don't let people who just say, well, I'm not into this church thing and I don't know if the Bible's correct. Don't let them drive you away from what God has said in his word. And when you go off to some liberal college and that silly professor stands up there and says that we come, you know, out of some kind of germ that fell in a creek somewhere and we sprung up into a, 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 a grasshopper and then we became a big lizard and then we grew into a warthog and next thing you know, you got an elephant. When they tell you that, I don't care how nice the people are. You tell them you're crazy and a run over dog. That's not the truth. Our God made this world, and no school book can, no school book can declare. You know why? Because none of them was there. None of them was there. So false witnesses will get against you. You'll say, why, people? I, uh, Somebody I love right, right now, they've kind of been mistreated this year at school. And uh, one of those things happen? Jealousy. I'm jealous. They don't want somebody to get their friend. Well, if you're not worth having, somebody probably will get them. You ought to be worth having, and they can't shake you with a drink. Uh, uh, they can't shake you with a uh, Broom beaten out of, out of a rug like mom used to do it. You'll hang on. 
You'll be the last little cat hair left in it. You know it. You don't let that. They'll, they'll, they'll make fun of you for your faith. They'll make fun of you for what you believe. Don't let them do it. Look what he did. They got him down there. Put him down. And after they got through talking about him every kind of way they could, look at verse 15. I love this verse. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. (laughs) That's the title of my message today, the angel face deacon. The angel face deacon. And so last of all, verse 15, you see him as the shining messenger. The man had an angel face. A deacon with an angel face. Look at a deacon and say, you've got an angel face. He'll say, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Listen, folks, that meant something. What, what happened when people saw angels? Sometimes you know angels, the Bible says. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you see them. Sometimes you don't. But they're always there. Sometimes they were visible. Sometimes they were invisible. Sometimes there were large groups. Sometimes there was one, there's two. Sometimes they, they did this ministry. Hebrews 1.14 said they were sent to minister to the saints or for the saints. And so he, the, the, these angels here, the Bible says, when, every time we see something that's, that's angelic in the scripture, what happens when Jesus was born and the angels, listen, they, the, the, the clouds all lit up, they shine in glory, and the Bible says they sing. Rejoicing. You see, there was something about this man who put off such a godly glow about him. He had such a, a convicting power in his life that even this crowd who hated his guts couldn't stand him looked at him and all they could see is the innocency the innocency of the face of an angel of course I know an angel can't sin unless they're a demon so when they say they saw him as the face of an angel they're saying on that day Listen, listen, don't mess this up now. I'm not saying you can live a life of sinless perfection, but I am saying on that day, I believe that Stephen lived a day of sinless perfection. Because when they looked at him, he shined in all innocence with an angel face. An angel is to bring tidings and so they saw that by his fiery spirit, Hebrews 1, 7 tells us. He was rebuking and yet he was charismatic as he does it. They saw it in his feared spirit, a servant in Judges 13, 6 and Luke chapter 2, verse number 9. The Bible said that when he saw him, they said, he's terrible. In other words, they meant they had a fear or reverence about him. So that meant that while they're about to stone Stephen, those guys out there are shaking in their sandals. They're fixing to put to death somebody they know is perfectly, totally, completely innocent. They know that that day they see the shine and glory of heaven all over him. And they're about to throw rocks and hit him in the head. 
And he sits there and stands there. He's a feared servant because he revered him over them. And God, the Bible tells, tells us, gives him fearless strength. He had enough boldness and calm courage that we seldom see among people today. He reflected heaven's intelligence. He reflected heaven's moral excellence. And he reflected the glory of Jesus Christ in his life. Anything like that about you? You know, it's real difficult not to stir something up. It's real difficult to say, this is what I think. I've never heard it that way before. I've had several folks the last couple of years say, I've never heard it that way before. Well, study and you will. I can show you exactly. I'll never say anything here I can't prove. We'll back up and prove. I'll prove it to you. We'll get on a flight if we have to, and we'll go there. Look, I'll show it to you. Truth of the matter is, are you somebody that's standing in the way, or are you somebody that's getting out of the way? Are you somebody that's standing in the way, or are you somebody that says, I don't want to get, by, get out of the way. I want to go with the way. And the way is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Well, I don't know about this church. You know, he, he, he's a good man, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's a good deacon, but, 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 but uh, he, yeah, he's been a good friend, but, 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 but he, yeah, he's a good preacher, but, but, quit button. Goats, but sheep don't. Let's quit button. Your head ain't that hard. God's got, got any preachers left at all in this world. There's some preachers that got higher heads than you'll ever have. Ezekiel had one, didn't he? So I'm just asking you today, are you in the way or out of the way or are you with the way? We need to be preaching, teaching, and witnessing. Or preaching, teaching, and reaching, as we said. Those three things. Some of our folks have been doing that this week. They took it serious, and I'm thankful for it. I want the rest of you to take it serious.